most important thing is to know that when you check out of this life, and you will, because the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, everybody has an appointment with death and the end of this life. And the Bible says, but after this, the judgment. And you're going to stand in judgment before God one day. He's going to open the books. And if your, your name is not found written in the book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire. I'm afraid that our, this generation in which we live, we're, we're so used to video games and reset buttons and secret codes and do-overs and uh, virtual this and virtual that that we've forgotten about the reality of eternity and the finality of eternity. And if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord as your own personal Savior, if you've never received Jesus Christ, that should be the first thing on your to-do list. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said. And so uh, as we see judgment coming in this world headed toward a disaster, uh, you better make sure that you're born again. And then we've been looking in the book of Jeremiah because I see a lot as I've been reading through this book and studying through this book, I see much in this book that really relates to our time and uh, what God was doing in the nation of Judah uh, during this time, I see his hand in our nation as well. And uh, the nations of the world, they're all the works of his hands. Amen? And he sets them up, and he tears them down. And uh, so we began looking at Jeremiah Sunday afternoon. We began looking at the book of Jeremiah. We looked in Jeremiah chapter 1, and we saw God's calling upon Jeremiah's life, and he gave him his purpose. He said, I've got a six-fold purpose that I've given uh, for my calling upon your life, Jeremiah. You are to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down. And so maybe you've thought this week, man, that preacher's really throwing down. Well, I'm just trying to live like Jeremiah, amen? Root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down. And then there's two other things. Those are the four negative, if you will. And then there's two positives, build and plant. A lot of what's being built and has been built in our lives and in our nation doesn't need a touch-up. It doesn't need renovations. It needs destroying. It needs rooting out and pulling down. And uh, that way God can build and plant. Amen? And uh, that's what uh, he told Jeremiah in chapter 1. And he told us, so there's really three main themes in this book. Judgment is coming. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Judgment is coming. Duty is awaiting. And grace is sufficient. Amen? And so we looked at last night, uh, we looked at the spirit of Jehoiakim and his response to the word of God. And uh, hopefully last night, if you are here last night, you went away from the service saying, I don't want the spirit of Jehoiakim, 
I want the spirit of Josiah. Someone who receives the word and acts upon it. And tonight I want us to go to Jeremiah chapter 35. Jeremiah chapter 35. And we're going to look at a very unusual group of people in this book and in history. In Jeremiah chapter 35, let me give you a warning. I'm going to read the entire chapter. That's 19 verses. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you're able. Uh, and, and uh, as we read, if you find that you need to sit down, just sit down. But we're going to read this entire chapter of, Je of uh, Jeremiah chapter 35. The Bible says, the word which, the, uh, which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, go unto the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them and bring them into the house of the Lord into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jeazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of, I, I, I practiced this before, I promise you, Habazaniah, that's, that's quite a handle, and his brethren and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites, and I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Maasiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine, for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers." Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, the uh, king of Babylon, came up into the land that we said, Come and let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the, armor of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the army of the Syrians, so we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive instruction to hearken to my word, saith the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, 
uh, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now, every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them. And ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers, but ye have not inclined your ear, nor hearkened unto me. Because the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people hath not hearkened unto me. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. And I have called unto them, but they have not answered. Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according unto all that he hath commanded you, therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not want a man to stand before me forever. I want us to look at these, this group of people, this family called the Rechabites, and I want us to uh, learn from them tonight. They lived at a time when judgment was coming. And how did they conduct themselves? I believe we can take instruction from them tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray now once again that you would fill us with your spirit. I pray, dear God, that you would use these lips of clay to preach divine truth to the people that are gathered here tonight, those that may be watching online. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart. Father, I pray for the lost that are here. Lord, they don't realize how, much, how dangerous they're living. They're gambling with their soul. Uh, Lord, eternity could come at any time. You could come at any time. Catch away your bride, those who have trusted you as Savior, and they'd be left behind to face the wrath to come. And, not, and after this terrible time of judgment upon this earth, They'll just go from one place of judgment to a much worse place of judgment called the lake of fire. Oh, God, I pray that you deal with their heart by your spirit. Awaken their consciousness of their soul's need. And, Lord, I pray for your people. Father, we need a touch from heaven again tonight. We need to be instructed in these days. Lord, I pray that we had learned from this group of people that we'll read about here tonight. They had character. They had conviction. They had commitment. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be that type of people in these last days. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This group of people, the, the Rechabites, they, uh, they were not Israelites. As a matter of fact, they descended from the Kenites, who came from Jethro, uh, I, I believe, Moses' father-in-law, uh, his, uh, his people, the Kenites, ended up uh, 
traveling with the Israelites during their wilderness wanderings before they entered the land of, of promise. And they kind of integrated into uh, the, uh, the nation of Israel. But they were not Israelites. Uh, but they, they still, they had a commitment to the Lord. You know, I like that. I like the fact that uh, I, I, tonight I'm not an Israelite. I, I'm not one of God's chosen people uh, of, of the nation of Israel. But I'm glad that I can still follow the Lord. I can still live by his word. God still sees me and God still blesses me. Amen? And God can still use me. This group of people, uh, they, they, as I said, they integrated in, in, into uh, the, the lives of the Israelites. And uh, they had a forefather that made, a, uh, made an impact upon their family for generations. They mention Jonadab. And Jonadab, uh, if, to find him, he is in the scripture, uh, but you have to go all the way back to 2 uh, Kings to find Jonadab. And where you find him is you find him with Jehu. You remember Jehu, the, the uh, king of Israel? Before he became king, he was captain of the host. And uh, he ended up overthrowing uh, uh, Jezebel, amen. God used him as an instrument to meet out judgment upon Ahab and Jezebel, uh, and the house of Ahab, that is, and Jezebel. And then he became king. And uh, during this time, there was a man that was with him helping him accomplish this. And it was Jonadab, the, the, uh, the ancestor of, of these folks that we're reading about in Jeremiah 35. Jonadab is mentioned by name. Uh, in particular, when Jehu calls all the worshipers of Baal together, he makes a proclamation. He says, uh, Ahab served Baal a little bit, but Jehu's going to serve Baal a lot. And all the worshipers of Baal thought, man, this is going to be a good deal. And so he calls them all in. He said, we're going to have a great big conference. We're going to have a big meeting. Everybody come inside. They all come inside. And he tells the guards, close the doors, go in and kill them all. That's how Jehu handled things. He just cleaned house. And, uh, and Jonadab was right there with him. He's the, he's the patriarch of these, uh, of these uh, descendants here that we're reading about now. He had a commitment to the Lord. And we don't read uh, much more about Jonadab there, but what we find out here in Jeremiah 35 is that he had given them a commandment. He had commanded his children and his children's children, and for generations to come, he gave a commandment. It's a very unusual commandment. He told them, don't drink any wine. Now, we're not told that this is fermented wine. We don't know that. And uh, usually the Bible, the context of the Bible, will let us know what is fermented wine and what is not fermented wine. We're not told that here. But we are told that they were not to drink wine. That is the fruit of the vine. They were not to drink that wine. They were also not to build houses. They were instructed not to sow seed or plant vineyards. Not to really not to to lay down any kind of uh, uh, permanent home, 
They were to live in tents. And they were to be a nomadic people. That's what Jonadab instructed them. As a matter of fact, he didn't just suggest it. The Bible says in verse number 10, he commanded us. These are commands. And so this is who these people are. We would look at them today and we would think, well, they're odd. They're strange. They don't really fit in with the rest of us. They're different. These people, right in the midst of God pronouncing judgment on Judah, God calls Jeremiah to go approach these people out of the blue. It seems a strange happening. He tells them to approach these people and to serve them wine. And so Jeremiah does so because Jeremiah just obeys the Lord. Amen. He goes, he gathers them, he calls them in, and he brings them to the house of the Lord. And he brings them into an inner chamber in the house of the Lord. Uh, this chamber belonged to a man of God in the house of the Lord. And he sets wine before them and tells them to drink wine. I'm calling this the testing of the Rechabites. There's a test that's being given. And it's very interesting to me why God would, would go to this trouble. Why is he going to call these people aside? What is he trying to teach us here? Uh, he brings them in. These are people that are set apart. They're not just set apart from Babylon. Come on, stay with me. They're not just set apart from Babylon. They're set apart from Judah. They're set apart from the, the good guys. They're not just set apart from the bad guys. They're set apart from the good guys too. They're different. They're peculiar. They're strange. And God tells Jeremiah, bring them in and sit them down and offer them wine. Now, we read their response. Their response is given in verse number 6. They said, we will drink no wine. Why? Our father commanded us not to drink wine, and so we're not going to drink wine. Now, I think it's interesting, and let this be a, a, a lesson to you young people that are here tonight. You don't have to have every reason why not to do something or to do something. If your father commands you, that's good enough. Amen. Because I told you so is a perfectly good answer. Biblically. Practically, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It doesn't say when they are right. It says, for this is right. You know what you need to cultivate in your life? Cultivate a spirit and an attitude of obedience. It will be a blessing to you. I guarantee you, that's not the message that's free of charge. You have that for free. Now, this, uh, they, 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 they're, they're tested here. And listen, we are coming to a time in this nation, in our lives, where we are going to be tested on what we really believe. We're going to be tested on the strength of our convictions. 
And what we say we've believed all these years, the rubber's going to meet the road and we're going to find out just how much we believe them. I think about Daniel when he went into uh, captivity in Babylon. This is right about the same time. Daniel and Jeremiah were contemporary to one another. Daniel goes into ca to captivity into Babylon as a young man. Well, what does the Bible tell us? He purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. There were convictions that he was given and he was going to live or die by those convictions. He was not going to give in. Can I say we're going to be tested and maybe very soon on what we really believe. I believe this, I believe that. It, it rolls off the tongue really easy, what we believe. Listen, friend, you don't believe it unless you're willing to stand for it. We're about to find out. There's a testing time here, and the Lord, he brings them in here to give us a picture. He's showing all of Israel, all of Judah, you are going to be called in, you are going to be tempted, you are going to be tested, you are going to be tried, and how are you going to respond? I thank the Lord that he gave us a good example here. Amen? I, listen, I'm tired of seeing the bad examples. They're everywhere you look. Thank God every now and again, somebody, maybe a young person, maybe a family like in this case, will stand up and say, we are not going to bow. We're not going to eat the king's meat. We're not going to drink the wine. We're not going to go against the commandments that's been given us. We're going to stand. We need a generation with some backbone. Can't remember who said it, maybe... Lester Roloff, I can't remember who said it, but he said too many men have a wishbone instead of a backbone. He'd like to say that they'd stand for truth, but when the tests really come, they fold like a house of cards. The testing of the Rechabites, they withstood the test. Now listen, think about this. In Daniel's case, it was the king of Babylon who was offering him those things. It was very easy for him to say, okay, this is the guy who took us into captivity. This is the guy who probably uh, killed or imprisoned my parents. And, and maybe he's thinking, well, I'm not going to do anything, he says. We can understand that. But in the Rechabites' case here, it's not the king of Babylon offering them wine. It's Jeremiah the prophet. What about that? And there, he's not in some palace far away in Babylon. They're in the house of the Lord. Now, you know what? If Jeremiah knew where they stood, the whole time Jeremiah's offering them that wine, he's praying, Lord, Please help them not take this. But maybe he didn't know. Maybe he had no idea what their beliefs were. All he knew is what God told him to do, and so he set it down before him. Think how easy it would have been for these men to give in. Well, it's the preacher. It's got to be okay. We're in church. It's got to be all right. You know... We've faced a lot of tests 
in the church house in this past year, past two years. We've faced a lot of tests. And listen, can I say this? The Lord was gracious in saying, here, let me give you a test here in this controlled environment before you got to go out to Babylon and face it in an uncontrolled environment. God was gracious to them. Now, when I look at that and I look at our situation, I see similarities. When I look at the church in America, what we have faced compared to what they're facing in Afghanistan is nothing. But it is a beginning. It's a beginning. You know, the, 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 the one prophet said it this way, if the footmen have wearied thee, what are you going to do when they bring horses and chariots? It seems that as a church, as a whole, that we have, we have been wearied with just a little bit of opposition and persecution that we faced. What are we going to do when it gets really tough? God is allowing us to be tested. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with the testing? There's the testing of the, of the Rechabites, but then I see the blessing, the blessing of the Rechabites. You see in verses 18 and 19, this is what he says, Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, kept all his precepts, done according to all that he hath commanded you, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not want a man to stand before me forever. Say, so what does that mean? Well, let's compare it to what he told Jehoiakim. Look in chapter 36, just across the page, or maybe the next page. And in chapter 36, in verse number 30, Jehoiakim refused the word of the Lord. And this is what he told him. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat, and in the night to the frost. And I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the men of Judah all the evil that I pronounced against them. But they hearkened not. You know what he told them? You refuse the word of God, you're on your own. As a matter of fact, I'm going to stand against you. Now it's one thing to have Babylon against you. It's quite another thing to have God against you. And if Babylon has set their face against us, and they have, because their king is not Jesus, their king is the devil, if they're going to set their forces against them, then so be it. But of all the people that we need not offend, and we better make sure that we're on our side, we better make sure God's on our side. If you're going to offend anybody, you better make sure it's not him. 
God promised the Rechabites, he said, listen, because you have obeyed, because you have stood, because you didn't fold when the test came and the pressure came, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make sure you've got somebody to stand. What more do we want? You know, I, I want to stand in these last days. I want my children to stand. Someone made mention at a meeting we were at a while back that years down the road, and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if this thing is going to blow over and we're going to have another little space of grace. We don't know. Before the end, we don't know. But I do know this. We know when it really came to the forefront. That was last year, right? Amen. We all know what I'm talking about, right? This whole pandemic, this whole mandate thing, this whole oppression upon churches. And you say, well, I don't see it. You're blind as a bat if you don't see it. We all know when it began. And one day our children are going to look back on our actions And whatever we did or did not do, that's going to be our testimony to them. By the grace of God, I want to be able to say, and, and for them to see, Dad stood for right. He stood for the truth. He believed the Bible, and he wasn't afraid of Babylon. God said, I'm going to bless these people. I'm going to strengthen them. I'm going, to, I'm going to always have a man of them to stand before me. He used the word forever. That's quite a word, isn't it? Two words. So there's the testing of the Rechabites. There's the blessing. But then I want us to see the lessons. The lessons that we learn from this family. And uh, some of them are very obvious. We already mentioned that the Lord brought them into this scenario and he brought them into the prophecy as a testimony to the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. And he compares them to the nation. He compares the, the response of Judah to the response of the Rechabites. And he said, the Rechabites, they heard their father they listened to their father. They obeyed their father. But my children, the house of Judah, they have not obeyed. The first lesson we learn from the Rechabites is that we are to live in these last days as obedient children. As obedient children. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. One of the things that I believe that the Lord has really dealt with my heart about uh, through all of this is faith. Have faith in God. You know what my children don't do? They don't figure out what we're supposed to do next. They don't, they don't sit down with me and say, Dad, okay, let's go over the schedule. Uh, do you really think that we can make it to this location from this location? We only have this amount of time. 
I've never had any of my little kids sit down and say, let's figure this thing out. Dad, let's hammer out the finances. How are we doing with the budget? They don't, they don't do that. They do ask when we're going to eat. They do ask that. But you know what? I don't think they worry one, one moment about it. As a matter of fact, when they ask when they, you know, about food, it's as if we have all the food in the world just sitting ready waiting for them. Right? That's the faith of a child. They don't worry about the future. They don't worry about the provision. They don't worry about what's going on on the, on the grand scheme of things. And what, what's the headlines here today? Now listen, listen God, God has put us here. He's called us to be salt and light. And we need to not be ignorant of the devil's devices. But the way that we are to respond to God is as obedient children. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse number 13. 1 Peter 1 verse 13, the Bible says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? When they would gird up their loins, they would, they would take that flowing garment away from their feet and they'd tuck it into their belt so they could run. They would gather up that garment and, and, and tuck it in so they could, they, they'd be able to, to run, to work, whatever they needed to do. And he's telling us here, we need to gird up our mind. We can't, we can't live with our mind in the ends of the earth, worrying about this and that and the other thing and expect to stand for the Lord and expect to have his power upon us. He said, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, don't be silly, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he uses this phrase in verse number 14, as obedient children, as obedient children. The first, the whole context of 1 Peter is suffering. It's suffering, and he's, he's, he's preparing uh, God's people to go through a time of suffering, a time of deprivation, a time when they're going to be misunderstood, a time when they're going to be when they're going to be targeted, and that's coming our way, Christian. That is coming our way. It, the the gears are already moving in that direction. And First Peter, the whole book is about how are we to conduct ourselves uh, during this time of testing, a time of trial. And he said one of the ways that we can conduct ourselves properly is to realize and conduct ourselves as obedient children of the Lord. Just obey. Say, so what's the big secret? There's no secret. Live in obedience to the Lord. He says as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. He's saying, he's saying, we want you to be what God has called us to be is obedient children, and we're not fashioning ourselves or living after the things of this world. 
We're a child of God. We should not be fashioning ourselves after the devil, after the world, after the course of the world. We used to walk according to the course of the world, but God has quickened us. He's made us alive. We're born again. We're no longer a child of the devil. We're now a child of God. And we should live like children of God. The lesson from the Rechabites that we can take is to live in obedience. It's amazing to me when you study out the timeline from Jonadab to Jeremiah 35, you're looking at about 200 years. 200 years. Isn't that interesting? Our nation's about 200 years old. Very interesting, isn't it? And from the time that Jonadab set it in a, a law in his family, a command, you're not going to drink wine. You're not going to build houses. You're not going to sow seed or plant fields. You're going to live in tents. He said, those are the things that's going to establish who you are. You're going to live by those things. And 200 some odd years later, that's exactly how his family was living. When I, when I think about that, I think, wow. Wow. We think it's really something if we can pass it from one generation to the next. I don't know how many generations there was in his family, but there's more than two there. 200 years. A little north of 200 years. And they're still living by those same principles. How'd they get that way? Well, they didn't just arrive there on their own. No, they lived in obedience to the command. Well, I'm just going to let my kids figure it out for themselves. You're an idiot. You expect a child to figure out their spiritual, the best spiritual well-being and how to conduct their life? Why do you think God gave them to you as children? so you could teach them, so you could train them, so you could bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Instill in their lives what's really important somehow. Jonadab got it in the minds of his children and the next generation. These things are important. Keep these things. And they did. I believe we can learn a lesson of obedience from this family. Live as obedient children. And then the second thing, when I think about this wine, I tend to think that it's fermented. I don't know. But certainly when you look at wine in Scripture, there are warnings against wine. The Bible says that wine is a mocker. It'll make a fool out of you. Strong drink is raging. Strong drink will make you do stuff you'd never do without it in you. And the Bible says, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Heard a preacher say a long time ago, Bud, you'd be wiser if you didn't drink that slop, amen? May talk about Budweiser, will you? You'd be wiser if you didn't touch it. The Bible says don't even look upon it. 
hard to drink something you're not looking at. Amen. Amen. No reason in a Baptist church when you preach against alcohol, things should tighten up. Certainly no reason. Come on. And when I think of this, I think of purity. I think that God wants his people to be pure. He wants us, uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We need to be clean. We need to be undefiled. We need to be filled with God's Spirit. We need to be motivated by the Spirit of God and our lives to be filled with Him so that our actions will be driven by Him. When you get filled with wine, it's the wine that's doing the talking. It's the strong drink that's doing the commanding. And you're at its beck and call. And in the same vein, you get filled with the Spirit of God. It'll be Him that's doing the talking. It'll be Him that's doing the, the instructing. It'll be Him that's doing the work. It is totally impossible for us to live as Christians without the filling of the Spirit of God. Impossible. We should be learn from these Rechabites to, to live as obedient children and to live clean and filled with the Spirit. He says that we're in 1 Peter there. Uh, the, the context continues on. He says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. What's your conversation? That's your life. Your life. We're called to be holy in every part of our lives. There's not a, a, a God part and a world part. There's not a church part and a, and, a, and a home part. It should all be yielded to the Holy Spirit of God and living in holiness before God. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's a command from Scripture, and it's a command for your own good. It seems that 25 years ago or so when I was looking for a wife, that you heard this in almost every church that I was in. It was a common principle that was followed. You don't date or court or marry unbelievers. It's confusion. It's an abomination. And now it seems we've thrown that out the window because we don't need that anymore. We're okay without that. It's all right. God understands and all that other hogwash. God does not change. His word does not change. You're asking for trouble. You get yoked together with an unbeliever. You're asking for grief. And it's more than just him saying, I'm saved. Just to get you to walk down the aisle. 
Listen, you know what? In, in Philippians chapter 4, you know what the, the apostle Paul says? He, he lists a couple people in the church of Philippi, and he says, whose names are in the book of life. You know what we've always heard? Well, you don't know who's saved. We don't know who's saved and who's lost. How did Paul know? I'll tell you how he knew. There's another Bible verse that tells us, Brother Frank, by their fruits ye shall know them. Amen. That's not too hard to figure out. Just because someone says they're saved, they live like the devil, they're a child of the devil. I don't care how much they tell you they're saved. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, you can see it. Behold, all things are become new. Now listen, you might be saved, but if you're living like the devil, don't trust me to believe it. Amen. Well, he saved, he told me he was saved. He has no desire for God, no desire for the Bible, no desire for the people of God, no repentance over sin, no, no, uh, no love for souls, no desire to see his friends saved or his family saved. Who are you kidding? You don't even believe he's saved. You just want to make believe that he's saved so everybody will put their stamp of approval on it. Don't look to me. I'm not putting my stamp of approval on it. He said, well, I don't care. I don't want your stamp of approval. That's fine. You don't have to have it. But I'm telling you and I'm warning you, you get tied up with an unbeliever and you will regret it. God calls us to be holy in all manner of conversation. That's your public life. That's your private life. You know, we say, why isn't there any revival? Why does God seem to be silent? Why don't we see the work of God and the moving of God in our midst? We're so filled with sin. We've got things in our mind that should not be there. We're looking at things we should not look at. We're listening to things we shouldn't listen to. We're partaking of things we shouldn't partake of. And we wonder why the Spirit of God is grieved and His work is quenched. I'm telling you, Christian, we need to repent. We need to get right with God, truly right with God, and truly amend our ways and seek God. We need to stop playing games because the devil's not playing games. Babylon's not playing games. And when they come... It'll be found out whether you're serious or not. Amen. Be clean, be pure. Verse 16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We learn from the Rechabites to live as obedient children, to live clean and filled with the Spirit, to be holy. Can I say this? The last thing we learn that I'm going to point out tonight that we learn from the Rechabites is to live as pilgrims and strangers in this world. 
Isn't that something? That he would tell his family, I don't want you building houses. I don't want you planting crops. He said, I just want you to live in a tent. A tent is about the most transient home that you'll find unless you have wheels on it. Amen? I don't think it's a sin to buy a house. I bought a house. Not wrong. But you know what? My attachment to that house can be gone just like that. It's a tool. It's a tool to be a blessing to my family and be a blessing to those around me. It's a tool. But if God said, get rid of your house, I don't want you to have your house, okay. We get too tied down to this world. He told those, he told his, his family, I don't want you buying any houses. I don't want you sowing seed or planting vineyards. I want you living in tents. Why would he tell them that? Well, if you remember, they weren't Israelites. They weren't of the tribe of Judah. They were strangers in that land. Before the Babylonians ever came and carried them away, they were strangers already. That land was not their home. You know what? This world is not our home. It's not our home. The more I'm in this world, the less at home I feel in this world. Can I say this? The closer I walk with God, the less at home I feel in this world. I feel like a stranger. I feel like a pilgrim. I feel like I'm just passing through. But this is just a temporary place. And I'm moving on to a better country. Now, I don't think there's a better country on the face of this earth than the United States of America. I'm proud to be American. Thank God for this country. I love this country. But I'm not looking to stay in this country. I'm looking for a better country. Whose builder and maker is God. You know what we can learn from the Rechabites? Don't get too comfortable here. Don't get too comfortable here. It's not our home. We're just passing through. What are we going to do? Look what this is doing. Look what they're doing. Look what it's, it's getting bad. I know it's getting bad. But I'm not in despair. I'm not worried. I'm trying to be prepared, but I'm not worried. Because I know where my home is. And I know that the Lord said, I'm not going to leave you there. I will come again. I'm coming to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He said, I'm preparing a place for you right now. I like that. 
If he's got a place for me there, I don't really need a place here. Just give me a tent or a cottage or as Mary calls the fifth wheel, a four-wheeler. She counted the wheels. She said, that's a four-wheeler. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This world's not our home, Christian. One day, and it could be today. Listen, it could be today. That trumpet's going to sound. There's going to be a shout from heaven. The voice of of the Lord is going to call us. And we're going to leave this world like Superman. Amen? In the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's a comfort to my heart. Babylon's coming. I know they're coming. But so is Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we want to be found faithful. We want to be trusting you. We want to be living according to your word. We want to be like this family. Lord, what an an amazing family. 200 years still living in in the old paths, still following the commands that have been handed to them so many generations before. I'm sure they were called all kinds of names, fuddy-duds, you know, all the other things that I've heard. But Lord, they just kept on going. They just kept on serving. They just kept on living in the truth that you had given them. God, help us not to bow to the pressure without the church or within the church. Help us not to give in. Help us not to fold. Help us to stand. We know there's a test coming. Lord, we know that uh, we're going to be tried. Lord, you tell us in, in, in 1 Peter to not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. We know it's coming. God, help us to be aware of that and help us to be unchanged concerning our duty and our calling. Lord, I see these young people here. I see so much potential. There's no telling what you want to do through their lives. God, help us as parents, grandparents, as leaders in the church to set the proper example for them, to hold to the old paths, not be ashamed to preach the truth and to live it. God, help us to live as obedient children, pure, holy, filled with your spirit, and living for heaven and not this earth.
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.